Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. You believe that he's alive this morning. Say amen. Well, most of you got it. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel of Luke in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the first 12 verses this morning. The fullness of an empty tomb. Resurrection Sunday, Easter. What a wonderful time to gather in the house of God with the people of God. And it's a pleasure to gather together and see everyone and, and just, just get to look at everyone that's come out. But the thing of it is, the reason that we come together this morning is even more magnificent than the fact that we are together. The reason that we come together is to celebrate what is, without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, the greatest event in the history of mankind. And that is the fact that when they went to the tomb on that morning, the tomb no longer had Jesus in it. The fact that when they looked inside where the stone had been rolled miraculously away, there was no dead Savior in the tomb because He was not there. And my friends, that is worthy of celebrating this morning. So please stand to your feet in honor of the reading in the holy and infallible and errant word of our holy God. If you are unable to stand, I completely understand. But if you are able, please stand as we honor this reading from the Gospel of Luke. In the 24th chapter, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would bless the reading of your holy, infallible words, Lord God. God, we ask that you would dwell among us this morning as we believe you already have, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would sit down in this house and do what only you can do, and that is stir among your people this morning, Lord Jesus. You bind any spirit from this place that ain't your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and run crazy in this house this morning, Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And all God's people said, and you may be seated. And now as we dive in this morning, we're going to kind of be looking backwards through this section of scripture. So we're going to start at the end and we're going to work our way backwards. We're going to do that because your pastor sometimes struggles to pay attention in the right direction. So I had to do something to pull me in. So we're going to work backwards through the text this morning. But, but verse 1 tells us that they're going to the tomb. And we get introduced to the fact that there is 
a little later found in verse 10 that the people that are gathering there in verse, 10, in verse 1 are Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and some other women. And so the first witnesses to the empty tomb were these women who were coming to prepare the body of Jesus. If you read other gospel accounts, you'll find much attention given to one lady in particular as she was there very early. John says even before the sun came up, and that was Mary Magdalene. So our first point this morning is the witness who was uncommon. So these people that are going to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is not in the tomb, these first witnesses to the fact that Jesus is not in the tomb. The people who first get to see this and bear the witness to even his closest friends, we're going to find that Mary Magdalene is the focus of the ladies that get to do this. And we're going to look at some things about her, and we're going to see that she is an uncommon witness to lay behold of this event. She's not the one that you would think would be chosen to first see the empty tomb. Well, why do I say that it's uncommon? Well, first let us look at the pedigree and the qualifications of Mary of Magdala. First, we find in Mark's gospel that she'd been cleansed of having seven demons, it says in his account, that she had been cleansed of having seven demons. We also see it in Luke uh, chapter 9, I believe it is. It says that she was following Jesus, her and others with her, and it says Mary of Magdala, who had been cleansed of seven demons. <coughs> and we find that Jesus had, in fact, been the one who had cleansed her and expunged these demons from her. She is considered in many commentaries to have been perhaps a prostitute. This would have been the popular folklore that came about throughout the history is that she was so possessed and, and so sinful that she may have been a harlot or a prostitute. Now, we don't know that from Scripture, so we're not going to say that that is in fact the case. What we know from Scripture, though, is sufficient to show us that we don't have to, to doll it up and make her sound worse than she was. We know that she had at least seven demons presiding in her body. So whether she was a harlot or whether she was not, regardless what she was, what we know is that before Mary of Magdala encountered Jesus, her body was the type of body where demons felt at home. The demons had possessed her, seven of them in fact, and she was so taken by them and yet she came to Jesus. She was damaged and, and no good and, and looked upon poorly from the crowd, but she came to Jesus and Jesus cast out the demons and saved her. So uh, her pedigree, when you consider that, would not be the one you would think would go and tell the friends of Jesus that Jesus had risen. You wouldn't think that the first person chosen to see the empty tomb would be someone who had been possessed by by demons and had been so sinful. But also in addition to that, there's something else that stacks up against her and that, my friends, is simply the fact that when I describe her, I say that she is a she. Consider with me this in verse 11. As she goes and tells the disciples what she sees, uh, they say the words seem as idle tales. They say her, her thoughts seem as fairy tales, and they don't have a, a very positive reaction to what they're hearing. And you start to say, as, as we sit in church this morning, we can look back on the fact and realize that Mary of Magdala was speaking something of complete truth. But for the disciples that day, we look at them and go, what is the matter with you? And often we can look at the disciples living in our pews that we live in today and say, what's the matter with them? Why didn't they see this? Why didn't they understand this? But consider the word of the Roman law of that day. It literally said in Roman law, Do not let a flaunting woman coax or deceive you. The man that trusts womankind trusts a deceiver. 
You say, but they were Jewish, Brother Jason. They didn't adhere to the Roman law. Well, how about the fact that in Hebrew history, women, while not reviewed as deceivers, were at a minimum considered subordinate to the man. And so man would be the leader and women would be below him. And they wouldn't listen to the musings of a woman. This is why throughout Scripture, generally when a woman is described, she's described as the wife or the mother of someone because they didn't carry the same value as the man that they were attached to. And and so for Mary and them to go to the disciples, the disciples wouldn't necessarily believe them. Their first thought would be this woman, she's been possessed. This woman, she's just... She's peddling stuff that just ain't true. This woman is going about doing things and she's trying to deceive us. And so the fact that Mary has a checkered past, the fact that Mary was a woman, period, makes her a very uncommon witness to the resurrection of Jesus, or or does it, church? I want you to consider two things with me quickly. One is this, Jesus had quite a way of coming against the tradition and the laws and the standards of that time, didn't he? This is what the Pharisees hated so much about him. This is what the Sadducees hated so much about Jesus, is that he rode into Jerusalem town and he shook the very foundation of what their law stood on. He said, these things that you've been believing don't really amount to a hill of beans because the Messiah is here among you now. And they failed to see it because they so clung to their tradition. And so it's really not that uncommon when you think about it that Jesus, as he turns the religious world on its head, period, would choose a woman to be the first witness to the fact that he'd been resurrected. In fact, it almost just makes prophetic sense that Jesus would have a woman to turn the religious world on its head to say, see, now you go and tell my closest friends that this tomb is indeed empty. But I would submit to you that there's even more going on here. I want you to consider with me where Mary is early on this resurrection morning. It says that even before the sun rose, I'm talking about the literal sun, not the son of man. Even before the sun rose, she was there at the tomb getting ready to prepare the body of Jesus. She was there. I want you to notice who wasn't there. Peter wasn't there. James and John, they weren't there. Thomas, Matthew, wasn't there. Zacchaeus, the wee little man who was saved by Jesus, he wasn't there. Lazarus, who had been called forth out of a grave, he wasn't there. But Mary was there. She had such an affection for Jesus, such a love for For Jesus, that she rose early in the morning, so committed to Christ that she was there before anybody else could get there. She wanted to get there and make sure the moment she was allowed to get to the body of Jesus, that she could. And so I ask you to think of this this morning about Mary Magdalene. Why would she do that? Why would you commit yourself to something like that? Well, it would only be because you loved it so much. And so I submit to you this about Mary of Magdala. The reason that she was there so early was because she never forgot what her life was like before Jesus. She never lost sight of the fact 
That her first encounter with Jesus had set her free of the demons that held her back. She never lost sight of the fact that this was her Redeemer lay in that tomb. And she could not wait for another chance to interact with Jesus. She couldn't get there early enough. She couldn't give herself enough to Jesus. And my friends, I ask that we this morning would be somewhat uncommon witnesses on this Resurrection Sunday. That as we gather in our pews and as we go forth from this place, that we like Mary of Magdala would remember our life before Jesus. That we would remember that we were demon possessed and hell bound. But what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart and I'm happy and so happy forever and ever and ever because Jesus came into my heart that we wouldn't forget that. You see, I think that that's where we have a big disconnect in our churches today is we find Jesus, we have an encounter with Jesus, but we just do it this one time and then we cool off and we get further and further away and we don't tell people about Jesus, we don't invite people to church, we don't tell people to come to Resurrection Sunday, we don't tell people He's alive, we don't sing songs about Jesus, we don't do these things and the only explanation for it is this, we have forgotten how important Jesus was in our sinful lives. And we've become common witnesses, just like everybody else. Let us be uncommon witnesses to the resurrection this morning. First, the witness that was uncommon, but also let's look at the words that they remembered. Look at verse 6 with me. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you When he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. You see this teaching that that the angel is talking to them about. They would remember because it happened in Galilee. It's mentioned in Matthew 17, Mark 9 and in Luke 9 if you want to write it in your notes. We're not going to turn back there for the interest of time. But that's three places that it's found. In all three places Jesus utters these words, that the Son of Man is going to be delivered and in three days He's going to rise again. And all three times there's an important tag given to the end of Jesus' teaching in Galilee. And that tag is this, but they did not perceive. They did not understand. So Jesus is telling them. He's giving them a foreshadowing of the fact that I have to go to the cross. I'm going to be betrayed into sinful man. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. So when you see me die, rest assured that I'm coming back because I'm telling you now that I said I was going to. But they never really got it because they didn't really want to see it. Part of the reason I believe they didn't want to see it is because just prior to him preaching to this, he had been casting demons out. They had seen him raise the the dead to life. They had seen him do these things. So when Jesus says that I've got to die, they thought, I don't really want to think about that. I, I want to think about this Jesus that's casting out demons. I want to think about this Jesus that's that's causing the dead to breathe. I want to think about this Jesus that's doing these things for me. But they didn't really want to think about the fact that if they were going to accept this Jesus that was doing these things for them, they were going to have to accept the Jesus that was going to die on the cross. They didn't really want both sides of the coin. They didn't want to understand and dwell on that. But now, the empty tomb lay before them and they kind of remember those words that he preached. They kind of have what I would call an aha moment. You ever have an aha moment, church? I have aha moments pretty regularly. 
Great preacher Dr. Robert Smith coined the phrase once that providence is like Hebrew. It's a story that's better understood when read backwards. If you'll indulge me for a moment as an example, I'll tell you for those of you that, that don't know, when you read Hebrew, you read it from back to front, right to left. Completely opposite from the way that we read. They read back to front, right to left. So when Robert Smith says that providence is best read like Hebrew when you do it backwards, what he's saying is this. Oftentimes in our lives, it's only when we get to the end of something that we realize what God's hand was in the middle of the something. Amen. You ever have that experience? Ever have that aha moment where you prayed so hard that God would change your situation? You prayed so hard that God would remove your situation. But when you got to the end of that situation, you look back and you realize that the providential hand of God was moving you through that situation the whole time anyway. And that's kind of where we find our disciples and where we find Mary this morning. Dwelling on the words that they were remembering as they said, wait a minute. Why am I surprised that this tomb is empty? Why does it take me aback that this tomb is empty? Here they see these events play out and everything starts to, to sink in. I believe there are some other things we would do well to remember though that we can see here in this empty tomb. Think all the way back to the book of Genesis 3 with me. See, everybody wants to remember the Jesus of the New Testament. But if we didn't look at the Jesus of the Old Testament, I feel like I wouldn't do you a service properly this morning as we look back. Remember Genesis 3 and verse 15. You don't have to turn there, but write it down and look at it later. Genesis 3 and verse 15. This is after the fall of man. Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to eat of. Sin has now entered into mankind for all and forevermore. Our debt of sin has been established. And in Genesis 3.15, what Jesus says to Satan, Jesus says to Satan, You will bruise the hill of the woman's seed, but the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. So what, what is said in Genesis 3.15 is simply this. There will be a, an offspring of the woman, and when it happens, Satan, you're going to nip at the hill and you're going to bruise it. But it's going to crush you underneath its mighty blow to your head. It's going to crush you, Satan. Now fast forward to resurrection this morning and I want you to gather a little information with me for a moment as to what has happened. You fast forward to that resurrection morning and the seed of the woman in the form of Jesus Christ has come. The perfect seed. And what has Satan done on the cross on Friday? He's bruised the heel of that seed, hasn't he? As Jesus strapped to that wooden cross, arms stretched open wide, stretched out, and breathed his last. And surely Satan thought, back to Genesis 3.15, and said, So you thought I couldn't crush this seed. But my friends, fast forward to Resurrection Monday in an empty tomb, and you see that Jesus Messiah... Crush the head of Satan. And he's not there anymore. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's alive. So when we see this empty tomb and we remember the words of the Old Testament. Don't miss the Old Testament talking about the coming Messiah and Jesus and what he was going to do and what he did to perfection. And quickly as we close, the witness that was uncommon, the words that they remembered. And finally... 
Let's look at the work that was accomplished. Look back at verses 1 through 5 with me. The first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came and certain other women with them, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then Jesus went in and did not find the, the, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you look for a risen Savior in a tomb made for dead people? The stone had been rolled away and the body was not there. Verse 12 would even tell us that the grave clothes were folded up and put to the side. You say, well, why is it so important, brother, that the tomb was empty? Why, why, why is that such a big deal? Well, because without a doubt, it's the most significant moment in the history of mankind. It is quite, not quite simply, not quite possibly, not theologically discovered, not up for argument, not up for debate. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, then this empty tomb in this moment where we get to glimpse into it and see that it is empty is the most important event in all of human history. And I'm going to tell you why. <coughs> First, consider with me that Buddha. Whoever the first Buddha was, I can't pronounce his name. Look it up, maybe you can. But whoever the founder of Buddhism was, in all of his happiness, in all of his meditation, in all of his world that he was trying to gain through his meditation, one day breathed his last and is still in the grave where he was laid. The great swamis of the Hindu religion that have been passed down throughout all of history have all lived, have all breathed, have all breathed their last and died. And all are where they were laid when they died. The great prophet Muhammad of the Islam religion lay in a tomb where all the followers of that religion can go and visit that tomb, but it's still closed up because there's still a body inside of there. Joseph Smith of the Mormon church, Charles Russell of the Jehovah's Witness, all breathed their last and ceased to exist. But what about the tomb of Jesus? Those of you that have been to Jerusalem town, those of you who have been to the Holy Land, can lay account that, that you can go to the tomb. Miss Mary, I know you've been there. Is there anything in that tomb? Can you look inside that tomb still? And that body still isn't there, is it? You know why it ain't there? It ain't there because just a few days after he stretched his arms open wide and said, To Talistai, it is finished. God said, It is finished. Come on, son. And Jesus went home to glory. And he ain't in that tomb no more. And because of that, my friends, because of that, this is why it's the most important thing to us. Not just because Jesus ain't there, because it showed us that if we believe on Jesus, death is not the end. Death is a, a step in the middle to glory to be with God. Jesus, when he said in John that my work is finished and now I go to the cross, what he was saying is my work here on earth is over. I've got to die for all a man's sin, but it's just a stop on the way back to heaven where I stepped out from not so long ago 
and came born of a virgin coming to die to go back home again. And if you will believe in Jesus, my friends, you don't got to die neither. You just got to pass from this world into glory with Jesus and Heavenly Father. Now you want to know why it's so important? Go back a few days with me to Friday. And just remember that hill called Golgotha. And just remember the words that he cried out. He said, it is finished. The debt is paid. The soldiers didn't even need to break his legs. Because there was no doubt this man was dead. When they pierced his side, the blood poured out. And there was no question as they laid this man in a borrowed tomb that this man was dead. The tomb was so guarded that his body could not have been stolen by any disciples. There was no way that anybody could have gotten to that tomb. But my friends, what was going on between Friday and Sunday is that Jesus was grabbing hell by the nap of the neck. He was kicking death right in the teeth. And when he got done with that, after he had taken the wrath of God for all of our sins on his back, God said, I accept the sacrifice. I accept the sacrifice of my son. Come on home, your work is done. You see... Romans 10, 9 says that in order to be born again, you don't just believe on the cross of Calvary. It says you believe on the resurrection of God. You believe that Jesus not only died, but that he was resurrected by God and sits eternity with heaven. And this, my friends, is the fullness that we find in this empty tomb. And so I ask you to consider a couple of things with me this morning as we close. We're almost to our time of invitation. We're almost to our time to respond to the preaching of the Word of God. First, I want you to remember this. If Mary was acceptable as an uncommon witness, then there is not a person in here with any reason nor excuse not to behold the glory of King Jesus this morning. There's not a person in here possessed by seven demons in your past. There's not a person in here that's so bad that you can't Come back to the feet of Jesus. There's not a Christian in here who has any reason not to rush out and look at that empty tomb each and every morning and say, bless God, I'm going to be an uncommon witness for Jesus Christ today because the stone's been rolled away and the body isn't there. Consider with me that from the beginning, man sinned and was eternally separated from a holy God, but... Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection is the way that sinful man can be reconciled to the Holy God. And so if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord this morning, I want you to know the gospel has been presented sufficiently to have given you enough information to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't let another opportunity pass you by where you don't accept that Jesus paid it all. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you, Lord. And if there's a person in this house that isn't in awe 
of your majesty, Lord Jesus, that doesn't stand in glory in the cross of Christ, but even more so in the empty tomb, Lord Jesus. And I pray you would open their eyes and open their hearts and open their ears this morning that they would hear from you, Jesus. God, if there be someone here who says, I've got something missing in my life. I know that I've accepted Jesus. I know that I'm saved, but I haven't served Him. I haven't looked to the tomb properly. I haven't embraced Him recently. And I pray you would convict them to come. and Say, I wish to give it to God. And God, if there be one here this morning who's never been saved, who's never cried out, Lord, please save me. And God, you convict them, you give them the courage to step out during this hymn of response. And say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. But I don't believe you stayed in that tomb. And be saved this morning, Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray, God. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org.